Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So good to see you all. Good morning, family. We've missed you. We've been away for three Sundays. Felt like forever. Did you miss us? Oh, that's nice. You can take your seats. Welcome to Frank's parents. Welcome, guys. I heard that you're visiting. So good to see you. So good to meet you. Um, it's also Karen Fowler's birthday today, a little bird told me. Happy birthday, Karen. Mwah. <laughs> it was also, while we're away... It was Robin Taylor's birthday. He turned 82. So happy birthday, Dad. We've got so many octogenarians in this church. How blessed are we to have people in their 80s? We're so blessed to have you. Joy and Phil... And my mum over there, whose birthday it is this Wednesday. Thursday. Don't get that wrong. <laughs> She's 87 this Thursday. Woohoo! And I just want to honour my mum for the decades that she has served God in this church. Yeah. She's done lots of things. Um, she used to do the overhead projector sheets. Who remembers the overhead projector sheets? Where um, at home she would spend hours in her beautiful handwriting writing out the songs word for word. The chorus, the bridge, the verse one, verse two. And then I would sit next to her in the front row while she got the sheets and put them on the overhead projector and they got projected off on the wall. Amazing. And she's done the church banking for how many years? She retired from that recently. And um, she had a a home group at her house that met at her house as well. So I grew up with that example of being part of the house of God and serving God. It's such a great example for us to set for our children is to be part of the house of God is to serve God and to do whatever we can do. So I just want to honour my mum today. Thanks, mum, for setting a great example. <laughs> Helen Dusis is another octogenarian in the church. We love you, Helen. Is she here? Someone's pointing over that way. Oh, people changing their spots on me. I know I can't find them. Messing with me. But we like it that you move around. Yeah. How good is God? He's so good. We had, a, we had a great holiday. We were in New Zealand for a couple of weeks. South Island, so beautiful. Lakes and it's a bit like Sweden. Lakes and mountains wherever you look. Green, so stunning. A bit like my homeland of Sweden. <laughs> I'm like 15% Swedish, so I claim it as my homeland. 
<laughs> That's what, um, what's that website? Ancestry.com told me. I didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So we visited a church in um, Queenstown while we were there because we wanted to go to church on Sunday. And it was, a really, it was a really good church. It was the house of God, so we loved it. One of the things that we noted, noticed, and it might be um, because of the demographic of Queenstown, it's a really um, vibing city with lots of young people parachuting, you know, jumping out of planes, climbing mountains. It might just be because of the demographic that it's full of a lot of young people, but there were only really um, in the church people from about the age of 30 to 50. I don't think there would have been anyone over 60. And there was, I counted three teenagers. It was a church of about 50, so it was a bit smaller, but um, there was just some generations missing. And once again, I'm not bagging the church, but it just made me appreciate all the generations in the house of God. I love the children, the teenagers, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, 60s, 70s, right up to the 80-year-olds. There's such a richness, and bring on the 90s, yes. There's such a richness in the house of God that comes with all the generations meeting together. And like Stephen said, we all teach one another, learn from one another, rub shoulders. There's so much wisdom that's passed on from one generation to to another and the word of God says that one generation will declare his goodness to the next generation and the next generation and that's our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Yeah. (laughs) So this morning I want to talk about God, ourselves and others. God, ourselves and others. Because like Stephen said this morning, How we see God affects how we see ourselves and how we see others. And it's all interlinked. And Jesus talked about about this in Matthew 22, 37, when he was asked about the greatest commandment. And he said, The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So when we love God with all our soul and all our mind, we see him correctly. And then that affects how we see others and how we see ourselves. And so those commandments are interlinked, aren't they? And the reason why all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments is because if you love God, you won't want to blaspheme God. You won't want to dishonour God. You won't want to disobey God. Yeah, yeah? so that, that takes care of some of the other commandments. If you love others, you won't want to steal from them. You won't want to cheat them and you, and you won't want to kill them. So... All the other laws hang on those two laws, yes? And why do all the prophets 
hang on those two laws because what is the prophetic about really but bringing us back to loving God and serving God with all our heart, soul and strength and loving one another and serving one another. So that's why all the prophets hang on those two commandments. Yeah? So in order to love God fully, we need to see him correctly, don't we? We need to know him fully in order to love him as we should love him. In order to love you fully, I need to see you correctly. I can't love you as the word of God tells me to love you unless I see you the way God sees you. If I see you the way God sees you, I value you. If I see you the way God sees you, I have an affinity with you as not just another person taking up space on the planet, but I have an affinity with you as my brother and my sister in Christ because that's how God sees you. So when I see you correctly, I can love you fully. And when I see myself as God sees me, I am able to love and value myself as God loves and values me. So we need to see correctly. And it's not just about us loving God. It's not just a little Christian bubble of just me and God. But the commandment also talks about our relationship with one another, which means we are meant to do life together. So the result of me loving God completely is that I also love you and do life with you because those commandments are interlinked. I also love myself well. So how do we see correctly? 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Have you ever tried to explain something godly to someone that has no concept of the things of God and they just think it's ridiculous? They just can't wrap their head around it because their spirit, because they haven't accepted Jesus, the spirit within them has not come alive and they're not able to comprehend But when we receive Jesus, we, we receive his spirit and our understanding is awakened. And that's why spiritual things are spiritually discerned. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Say to the person next to you, you have the mind of Christ. If you have accepted Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. And so we, we see things differently now, yes? We see everything differently now. Do you remember when you got saved and suddenly you saw everything differently? Suddenly your spiritual eyes were opened and you were like, wow, this is what I was made for. I was made for a relationship with Jesus. I am loved, I am valued, I can make a difference in this world. We see everything differently. 
We have the mind of Christ. And because we have the mind of Christ, we're able to see God correctly. We're able to see others correctly. We're able to see ourselves correctly. Yes? So talking about seeing God, this is my first point, seeing God. If you feel like your concept of God needs enlarging, I've just read an amazing book called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It's brilliant. That man just had a way of expressing um, the nature of God in such... He had such a revelation of who God is. (laughs) Talks about the sovereignty of God. The mercy of God, the grace of God, the justice of God, the fact that he is faithful, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, immutable, the immutability of God, which means he never differs from himself. He never varies from himself. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Completely reliable, completely faithful, completely steadfast, always true, always firm, always solid, fully whole, self-sufficient, self-sustaining, fully awesome. In fact, he says God is not awesome. God is awful because he is not somewhat full of awe. He is totally full of awe. So the true sense of the word awful is not what it means, not what we use it today. It actually means full of awe, which is only God is awful. He is completely full of awe. I just want to read you a quote out of that book, just a short quote, because I think it helps put into perspective how we see God. This is what A.W. Tozer says, I think it might be demonstrated that almost every heresy that has afflicted the church through the years has arisen from believing about God things that are not true or from overemphasizing certain true things as to obscure other things that are equally true. To magnify any attribute to the exclusion of another is to head straight for one of the dismal swamps of theology, yet we are all constantly tempted to do that. For instance, the Bible teaches that God is love. Some have interpreted this in such a way as to virtually deny that he is just, which the Bible also teaches. Others press the biblical doctrine of God's goodness so far that it is made to contradict his holiness. We can hold a correct view of truth only by daring to believe everything that God says about himself. Everything that God says about himself. That's how we get a whole, true, complete view of the Holy One. And how we see God defines us. How we see God defines us. It's so important. And one of the most important beliefs that we need to have about God is that he is too 
awful, too amazing, too sovereign for us to ever wrap our heads around. And it always amuses me how some people discount the existence of God because they can't rationalise him. That actually proves the existence of God because he's bigger than our intellect. He's bigger than our understanding. He's bigger than our puny little minds. We will never understand him. We can spend our whole life pursuing an understanding of God and we will only ever understand a little bit about how amazing he is. But the pursuit of God is an amazing thing. To pursue him, to understand him, to know more of him is what we live for. But we will never fully comprehend how amazing he is. But the more we understand of him, the more we love him. Yes? Seeing ourselves, number two, seeing ourselves correctly. first thing we need to remember is this awesome, sovereign, amazing God, we are made in his image. We are made in his image. So that means that we should have a healthy view of ourselves, yes? Yes? (laughs) I love agreement in church. It keeps us engaged. And the word of God says, if two or three of you agree on any one thing, it's done by our Father in heaven. So when something I say or anyone on the here says, and you say yes, that means I agree. Let it be done, God. I'm aligning my mind with that. I'm aligning my life with that. That leaps in my spirit. So I'm going to say yes to that because I know that's true. So when you agree, you're not just saying yes to make me feel good. And it's it's an expression of what's going on in your spirit, an expression of you responding to the word of God. Yeah, which means your spirit is alive. That's what it means. So I believe it's difficult to um, encourage others well if we don't know how to encourage ourselves in the Lord first. It's, it's difficult to see the virtues and nature of God in others if we can't appreciate the virtue and nature of God in ourselves. Yes? Because it says love others as you love yourself, which means we are commanded to love and appreciate the image and virtues of God within us. Which means if you are only looking at your weaknesses, your flaws, your flesh, you are not obeying the word of God, which commands you to love yourself. And sometimes I think we give too much sympathy to people that continually wallow in self-deprivation and self-doubt and self-criticism. It's actually disobedience. So if you're listening to the enemy and agreeing with him instead of agreeing with what the word of God says about you, stop it because you're hindering what God wants to do in you and through you. You're hindering the work of God in your life. You're hindering the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. 
So don't do it. I say that with the most loving smile. Stop listening to the wrong voices. Stop agreeing with the voice of the enemy and start agreeing with the voice of your creator. Yes. It happened first in the garden with Adam and Eve. And they listened to the enemy. It's been happening ever since. It's the oldest trick in the book, literally. And we still fall for it. So, do you remember Sally's message when she was here about the power of a prophetic declaration? If you didn't hear it, it's on the podcast, so go back and listen to it. But what she spoke about was expressing scripture as a prophetic declaration over your own life. Because she said, we can't do spiritual warfare until we declare who we are in Christ, until we believe who we are in Christ, until we walk can walk in the authority that Christ has given us, which he has given every single one of us, but we just need to know it, then we can walk in it and then we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. So we need to speak scripture prophetically over our own lives. Has anyone been doing that since that message? Excellent. Get a scripture and speak it over you until you believe it. Until it becomes part of you. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Speak it over you until it dwells in you richly until it lives in you, it comes alive in you, flows out of you automatically. Yes. Philippians 4.13 is a great place to start. If you're looking for a scripture to speak over your life, this is one that I've been memorising and speaking. And you might say, memorise? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's one line. How hard is that to memorise? I've been memorising the Amplified Version, which is amazing. I love it. It's so empowering. It is so empowering. Can we read it together? Okay, ready? One, two, three. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Christ who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. How good is that? Whenever you feel inadequate, afraid, anxious, not up to the task, if you can reel that off, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. 
ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses me. That means it becomes part of me with inner strength and confident peace. How good is that? If you can declare, that is only one scripture that is so empowering. Prophetically declare it over your life. And then find another one and prophetically declare it over your life. I believe it is the season for the church to rise up in identity like never before. We need to know who we are in Christ, to not be intimidated anymore by the world in any way. Because we have something that the world can't give. We carry the answer to every problem that the world has. And it is Christ Jesus. And we need to stop apologising for what we believe because it's the truth. We don't need to apologise and we don't need to feel intimidated by anything that the world could throw at us. It's time for the church to rise up in identity as a mighty force on this planet, carrying the truth, carrying the good news of Jesus. Yes, who you are in Christ. Philippians 4.13 says who you are in Christ. I want to read a declaration of who you are in Christ, which is just a conglomeration of scriptures that came to me as I started writing this, right? So I'm going to read this over you because this is who you are. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to absorb it? It is all biblical. I give you my word. It is all biblical. You are called. You are sanctified. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You are born of the Spirit. You are a citizen of heaven. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Therefore, you have the power to resist the devil, and he must flee from you. You have a purpose on earth and a place in heaven. Every day of your life was recorded in his book before you were even born. He rejoices over you with singing and shelters you under his wings. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. He will hear all of your prayers and heal all of your diseases. You are part of a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people who belong to God. You are Christ's ambassador and a partaker of God's divine nature. You have been given the gifts of the Spirit. You are displaying the fruit of the Spirit and you are being led by the voice of the Spirit. You are more than a conqueror and you are reigning with Jesus. That's who you are. 
That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who all of you are. Do you believe it? Awesome. If there is any one of those statements that resonated with you, you will find it in Scripture. Find it and start to declare it over your life. How we see others. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 to 17. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We used to regard Christ in this way, but we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is how we need to see each other. When I look at you... I don't just see your flesh. I see Jesus in you. I see that you are being transformed into his likeness. I see that you have been given gifts, talents, abilities and the fruit of the spirit that is outworking in your life. That's what I see when I look at you. When they looked at Jesus according to the flesh, he couldn't do any miracles because they underestimated him. They didn't see the power of God at work in him. When we look at one another according to the flesh, we underestimate one another. We don't see the, work, the power of God at work in one another. So we need to see one another rightly so that we can encourage one another, so that we can spur one another on, so that we can call out the God in one another. That's what happens when we see one another according to the Spirit, through the eyes of the Spirit, instead of through the eyes of the flesh. And that's how we're commanded to see one another. Yes? When I see you as God sees you, I can encourage you. I can pray for you. I appreciate you so much when I see you as God sees you. And as I said, I don't just see you as another human being. I see you as a brother and a sister, which also means I have a greater responsibility towards you. I have a responsibility to pray for you, to encourage you, to intercede for you, even to correct you if I see you about to make an earth, a life-altering choice that's not a good choice. The Word of God says that I should correct you in love. That's the responsibility that I have towards you and that we have towards one another. I have a responsibility to rejoice with you when you rejoice, to mourn with you when you mourn, to pray with you when you pray, to worship with you when you worship, to show you hospitality 
the word of God says that on more than one occasion, that we have a responsibility to be hospitable to one another, to open our hearts, to open our arms, to open our doors to one another, to do life together, to meet together regularly. Is that what the word of God says? I have a responsibility towards you and you have a responsibility towards one another. To share with you when you're in need. So what scripture says, I have a responsibility that if you have a need and I can meet it, I need to meet it. If you're in lack and I have something that you need, I need to give it. Yes? <laughs> so people are getting ready to give or receive out there. <laughs> I have a responsibility to pray for you when you're sick. Yeah? Amen. It's difficult to do that, by the way, for those who have dislocated themselves from the church. Isn't it? Can't be the church if you've dislocated yourself from the church. You may feel overwhelmed by that statement and look around and go, there's a couple of hundred people here. When am I going to have them all over for dinner? <laughs> How am I going to remember to pray for them all? <laughs> the thing is, it's unrealistic for any one of us, even the pastor, to meet all of your needs. But I do believe that if we are all listening to the Holy Spirit and all acting when he asks us to act, that we are all then ministering to one another and that nobody should go be alone, nobody should be in need, nobody should be lacking encouragement or lacking friendship or relationship. If we are all being led by the Spirit and acting on what he asks us to do, I believe the Holy Spirit is able to have a church that are fully alive, functioning as a family, meeting one another's needs, seeing one another as God sees them, reaching out in generosity, in prayer, in friendship, in encouragement, and everybody's needs can get met that way. And everybody's gifts can be used that way. And the gifts of the Spirit will be flowing and flourishing. And people will be speaking prophetically into one another's lives. I think that's what happened in Acts. I think that's what happened in the book of Acts. I've been watching, we watched some of The Chosen while we were away. It's so good. Have to recommend it so much because I think they have so wonderfully grasped the nature of Jesus and how he interacted with people and how he did life with his disciples. So beautiful, so natural. They just did life the way the kingdom of God needs to be done, you know. I also believe, and I'm going to finish up soon, but God gave me some words for some people because, you know, when we start seeing one another 
as God sees us, when I start seeing you as God sees you, that is a huge key to unlocking the prophetic. Because I say, Lord, let me see every person in this room through, the, through your eyes, through the eyes of the Spirit, not through the eyes of my flesh, through the eyes of the Spirit. Suddenly there's an awakening where I do not see you according to the flesh. I see you according to the Spirit. I see God's goodness, God's giftings, God's purposes all over every one of you. It's a whole new way of seeing. I feel like there's going to be the prophetic um, is going to be uncapped, released more in this place as we all start to step into seeing one another correctly as Jesus sees us. And if, you, if you're having trouble... Um, appreciating and loving someone <laughs> which is another way of saying is someone's getting on your nerves <laughs> if, um, within the body and this and this applies to everyone like in the supermarket in your family in your workplace if you start seeing them on the road if you start seeing them as God sees them Suddenly you see a whole new world of potential and goodness in them, yes? Um, so I feel like as we, uh, yeah, if you're having trouble appreciating someone, ask the Holy Spirit, help me to see them as you see them. It's like putting on another set of glasses. And I believe as we do that more and more in this place, the prophetic is going to flourish like never before. It's just going to flow out of us like rivers of living water of encouragement and um, encouraging one another in love and good deeds. Yeah? If you haven't received Jesus... Because I don't know everybody here this morning, but I want to give you an opportunity to receive him right now so that you can do life like I was just talking about. Have your spirit alive and awakened and to know who you are as a son or daughter of God. If there's anyone that would like to receive him just raise your hand right now I just want to give you an opportunity and I'd love to pray for you yeah best best choice ever but if not that's that's all good bless you guys hope you've been encouraged thanks for joining today if you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.